Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Die Living Podcast. Today we have Mark Zients joining us. Mark is the executive chairman of Precision Nutrition. Uh, we're excited to have him in the office. It's awesome that he is actually local to us here in North Carolina. Uh, and also kind of strange that through a random string of events in a small world, he and I have some uh, good friends in common. So it was pretty awesome to find that out after we got connected. But Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to uh, chat with you and, and hear more about you and Precision Nutrition. Well, great. Th- thanks for having me here. Delighted and uh, awesome to see your facilities. It's just, it's incredible. I just want to hang out here. Thanks. Well, You're welcome anytime. The opportunity exists. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just shocked. Like when Aaron says a small world, it's like, how do we go from, so we're in Hillsboro, the recommend, like the introduction that led to you went through like Charlotte to New York City. And then the common bond that you and Aaron have is through like Bentonville, Arkansas. And I'm sitting here going, what? And then we met you and you're like casually like, oh, I enjoy cycling, which you look like a cyclist, but also then low key drop that you're a cat one cyclist. And I was like, you don't enjoy cycling. You are like addicted to cycling. (laughs) (laughs) And then you rode your bike here this morning and it was only like 30 degrees out. You're like, oh, it wasn't that cold. I'm like, stop. Well, it's sunny and it will be warmer on the way back. True story. There you go. How often do you ride? Uh, just seven days a week. All right. Only seven? <laughs> wow. uh, 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 but sometimes more than once in a day. Sure. All right. Because sometimes I have double workouts. How many hours uh, do you think you're logging a week? 15 to 20 hours a week. Are you? So actually, this is a question since you're, you're an older cyclist. No offense. You don't look older, but I know you're older, so I'm just going with it. Are you married to Strava? No, not, I'm not at all. You're, just, you're not recording the stuff? No, I just monitor folks. But um, my entire life is very digital. So mm-hmm. the one place that I've chosen deliberately to not be digital is actually on the bike. And I've trained long enough with power and with measuring everything that I am now, I think, really effective with perceived efforts, mm-hmm. i.e., how do you feel today? Yeah, 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 for sure. And so I'm pretty comfortable going that direction. At some point, maybe I'll plug back in because everything's better now than it oh, used man. to be. Yeah. So I, I'm friends with the guy who's the communications director for Strava. And I mean, Strava is a crazy app and people are definitely married to every effort being on Strava. It's embarrassing for me because I'll go, I'll go for like a real fun 10 mile ride. I'm like, I had a great time. Also, don't publish this to Strava so that people can embarrass me about how short my ride was. <laughs> so I tra- So I, I use Strava. I track other people. My youngest son is you know on Strava all the time, and he he's logging just crazy, crazy hours. Um, very competitive young cyclist. Um, but you can find out really great things. For example, last month my wife and I were visiting one of our other kids overseas, and I just look at Strava on his ride, and I noticed that um, I hadn't heard from him or seen anything. You know, Strava post, got hit by a car, frame cracked in three places, had to go home to jump on my trainer to finish my workout. Wow. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) He didn't call us. He didn't text us. I just happened to see it on Strava. Well, that's pretty impressive. The digital age is here, right? So I guess if you're 
I mean, if you're logging that many hours a week, what are you doing to prevent overuse injury? Especially, I mean, are we are we 60 yet? Um, getting close. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, you've been cycling for how many years? Oh, this is my third decade now. I was a runner before. Okay. But switched over because um, biking ages better. Yeah. Uh, given the fact that it's not full impact, uh, with the exception of uh, crashes. <laughs> but still, I mean, that's a it's a very similar motion, like very repetitive. And I think a lot of cyclists end up with some overuse injuries over time. What are you uh, What are you doing to stay like healthy and and on the bike? Yeah. So uh, cross training is really important. So uh, especially as you age, it's really important that you do weight bearing activities. Um, you know, as an older cyclist or swimmer, you'll see somebody that looks like they're in amazing shape. They have a basic fall and they've you know broken a hip or something, you know, because they're not cross training. So yep. you, ne- you need those weight bearing activities, um, lifting and working core, just vital. So I'm lifting almost every day as well. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's impressive to hear. A lot of guys don't, <laughs> like you said, a lot of guys do not do that. Yeah. The focus is on the core, you know, so I, I don't want bulk. Yeah. I want lean, I want lean muscle mass. Um, you know, and then not to go into my own direction, but then, you know, just having the right nutrition is the magic as well. No, for sure. And I, that's actually why we brought Brooke on too, because we were like, oh man, Mark and Brooke can totally jam out about nerd food stuff. Cause I'm still partially on the outworking a bad diet plan. Don't look at me so judgmentally. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but at least I'm aware when I start shoving pizza in my gullet like a whole pizza at a time i'm like oh man brooke would be ashamed of me right now (laughs) well a no no judgment um you said you're aware i mean that's the magic right there is that just being aware um and so and it always gets down to what works for you and and it's a journey to figure out that right balance well, when you came to PN, um, that's actually, I was kind of intrigued when we first met you and you were like, well, this wasn't, like, I didn't start it. You know, this is, I came to help uh, kind of the company grow during a transitional phase, I guess. Is that the right way to put it? Well, the company was growing and I think, you know, it was just looking to bring on additional um, leadership to, you know, um, join the uh, the team to, you know, help with the continued growth. But I mean, it was clearly a really logical fit because <laughs> you mean you didn't I'm assuming you didn't have to go through a ton of training to get on message right right so for me um, I don't come from a professional background of health wellness and fitness I just happen to have you know I'm a lifelong athlete and self-proclaimed nutrition geek um, so but professionally you know understanding how to deliver a tech enabled service and software uh, and help scale an organization. Those are professional experiences I had. So it was a total mashup for me in terms of personal passions and professional experience. So relating uh, to the mission was not at all hard. How did your nutrition change when you joined Precision Nutrition? Yeah, great question. So you might think, uh, let me describe how I ate before and how I eat now. All right. Um, because you're not going to hear a lot of difference. So you might not think that there was a lot of room for change, but there was change. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, first of all, I've been a vegetarian for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a zealot. You know, again, it, whatever works for people is, what, is what's important. For me, I find that it works really well. I, I don't love meat. You know, I don't crave it. Sure. Um, so I'm very happy with a plant-based diet. Um, 
I also have always been pretty low dairy and pretty low gluten. Not, you know, I'm not celiac. I'm not gluten-free. I'm not lactic intolerant. I just feel like I, I go lighter on those. Mm-hmm. I love carbs, but complex carbs. Sure. Yeah. You know, so not necessarily coming out of a wheat-based carb. Um, and then I've been alcohol-free for a long time I get, and no problems. Just I didn't see a benefit and I never woke up the next day saying, for an early workout saying, I'm glad I drank a lot, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so for me, again, I didn't miss it. And so already I'm sitting here as like this low gluten, low dairy, um, vegetarian that doesn't drink. And you're saying, so what are you going to change? And, and what I learned is we are, first of all, precision nutrition. We really focus in on behavioral change and habits that are sustainable mm-hmm. and that work for you in your life, recognizing everybody has different challenges and complexities. So for me, it was really just about more mindfulness. And, you know, if somebody said to me like, hey, you're in the nutrition business, what's the number one thing I can do? Just tell me number one, what can I do? I'm going to just say it, and it's really basic, slow down. We're in such a hurry in life. We eat so fast. Most people are eating their next bite of food while their last bite of food is still in their mouth. Just slow down. Enjoy the food. You know, food is not fuel. Food is social. Food is family. Food is cultural. Food is a lot more. Enjoy it. But when you slow down, you actually eat less Mm -hmm. because you give yourself time to process it, to think about what you're eating, to enjoy the texture, the flavors. So slowing down. So for me, my diet changed by being more mindful, by slowing down. And then also we teach the concept of eating to 80% full. You don't need to eat everything on your plate. Eat till you're satisfied, not till you're stuffed. And by doing that, you know, if you're looking for any sort of transformation, it's helpful. Now, in my world, uh, as a cyclist, we measure life uh, in terms of performance on the bike as watts you can set, yep. put out on a sustainable basis divided by your weight in kilograms, watts per kilogram. So having more lean mass you know, and getting rid of you know, fat in a sustainable way is always important. So I have taken off a bit of weight since I joined the company really just by doing those things. It wasn't a change to my diet. You are really ruining my big Texan experiences. You know, that 84-ounce uh, ribeyes not looking as, as uh, responsible as it felt when I did it. <laughs> well, we, we, we believe in progress, not, per, not perfection. So the next time you have that, maybe you go to 83 ounces. Well, exactly. And I also am laughing because I, when you're like, I lost some weight when I came to the company and I was like, this is, that would have been the bane of my existence three years ago. And when I started riding bikes, I laughed at all the 140 pound cyclists. I was like, man, these dudes can fight their way out of a paper bag. Like, you know, if, if I can get off the bike, these dudes don't stand a chance. Also, I realize every pound on the bike now matters. Every time we come to a hill, I'm like, all right, I got this. I'm going to put out a lot of power. And then the little dudes just leave me. <laughs> I'm like, no, where are they going? They're just killing me. Yeah, it, you can do something really basic, you know, if you just want to prove that point to yourself. Not that you need to, no, no, based no. on what you said. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> just, I mean, just put a one kilogram weight in your back pocket and go to a hill. 
and do a repeat. Do it with it and without it and see how you feel. And then imagine yourself without that one kilogram. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I, um, I've never wanted to lose weight until I started riding on a bike. And then I was like, man, maybe five pounds less wouldn't be so bad. And then all the, you know, all your weightlifting friends are like, oh, man, you look like you've put on weight. I'm like, actually, I've lost five pounds. <laughs> like, it just so happens that I, I look better. I'm not carrying around a bunch of bulk now. Um, it's kind of funny because I think the conventional mindset for most people is like, I do more cardio and I lose weight. And for me specifically when I started cycling and running more, my posterior chain started to get so much more dense that I actually ended up gaining 10 pounds in the first three months, uh, because I was eating more because I was hungry and because I was still lifting the same amount of weights, adding like the hypertrophic nature of, you know, I was riding, you know, a hundred miles a week, which isn't crazy, but for me, it was a really big change. So I'm thinking, I'm going to lose all this weight. I'm not going to look at the scale. I feel better. And then I jumped on the scale. I was like, oh my God, how am I almost 200 pounds? Like I was 190 and thought I would be 180 today. And so I ended up having to talk with George, who's our, our head coach about, you know, and, and him, he was like, yeah, of course you gained weight, man. You didn't change your weightlifting. He's like, I bet you're eating more. And I'm like, man, stop making me feel so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, so can you tell us a little bit more about what Precision Nutrition does? So Precision Nutrition is a leader in the area of nutrition um, coaching. Specifically, we train, educate, and certify nutrition coaches. We do this through online programs. We also provide them with the tools and software for them to help be successful with their clients once they become a certified coach. Just to give you some sense, uh, we've been around for about 15 years. Uh, we're over 100 people. Um, we focus uh, on, on our mission, which is helping people live a ha happier and healthier life, however they define that. Um, so our goal is to reach as many people as we can and help as many people as we can. We started off by just coaching people online. And we still do that. We do two cohorts a year, a January and a July cohort, where we coach several thousand people directly with our own coaches. Um, we do that predominantly so we can test the efficacy of our curriculum and software and collect data for research purposes. But the core business is training and certifying coaches. So last year, we trained and certified almost 25,000 new coaches. These are going to be personal, personal trainers, CrossFit trainers. They may be USA Cycling coaches. We're continuing ed credit for most personal training certificates and lots of group backs. Um, however, they, they may be RDs, other professionals looking to understand nutrition more so they can help their clients achieve their outcome. Because it's very common. People get frustrated. You know, they, they, they go and work out two or three days a week with a trainer. A year later, they're like, I haven't lost any weight or I don't look any different. Sure. They're, well, they're a half a day away a week from seeing a change. Yeah. They just, have the, <laughs> yeah. You can't exercise your way to fitness alone. You yeah. have to have the nutrition as part of it. Yeah. That's, so that's what nutri uh, that's what PN does. We're, we have an awesome group of people. Um, I'm here in North Carolina. We are a virtual organization, have always been that way. So our people live all around the world. Uh, the greatest concentration of people are around the greater Toronto area, but probably about. Uh, uh, the most, uh, just over about 60% are probably in Canada um, and about 40% in the U.S. And, and a, a small percent are not, in neither. So 
I'm the not original, to go over 100. I'm assuming that uh, you guys started in Canada to begin with, or right? The found the, the original founders who are still involved with the business uh, on our board and uh, part of the investor group um, are are Canadian, okay, or Canadian Americans. Toronto well. is an amazing city. It is. I I. <laughs> I think I took for granted what Canada was for years and I went and spent a week up in Toronto and I was like, this is like the most incredible, cleanest melting pot of humanity I've ever seen anywhere. Everybody's pleasant. Have you been to Vancouver? Uh, I went one time on a road trip and I enjoyed it, but also like the Pacific Northwest to me is, it feels like a fairy tale. It's not. I think Vancouver is the coolest city in North America. Yeah, I mean, it, it has been voted the number one city in the world to live in um, wow. by mul- uh, multiple publications in multiple years. But yeah. It, yeah, it is gorgeous there as well. It's also very expensive. So it, it has become very expensive. Yeah, that's right. But good place to visit, in my opinion. Well, I mean, once we make our first billion dollars, we'll just get a vacation home in Vancouver. We're just a billion dollars away. <laughs> Actually, just <laughs> just just take the ferry across and, and go to Vancouver Island. Yeah. Yeah where you've got these old growth forests. They've got bike trails everywhere on these old rail-to-trail conversions where you've got these 100-year-old trestle, you know, wooden trestle bridges that go across gorges. It's just, you know, you talk about a fairy tale. I mean, it's some of the most gorgeous places in the world. Are, There's a there. uh, botanical garden there, too, that I forget the the family that started it, but it's really, really cool. So, Well, I'm going to have to readdress that. When we're in Oregon, we'll just, it's like Aaron and I we'll went and did this thing in uh, in Oregon, what, three months ago now? Four? Something like that. But we did our travel planning, <clears throat> I won't say poorly, but it was the right move when we booked our flight. It was just a busy time. Yeah, we ended up flying to San Francisco and then driving into the middle of nowhere, Oregon. And um, that was a very long way to make it happen. And, you know, it was it was a great experience. Plans changed last minute. Aaron and I took a detour to uh, give Brian the finger and uh, do dinner at French Laundry. But we did not. We just took pictures in front of the restaurant <laughs> to, to rub but, it in his face. Before they shoot us away. <laughs> well played. Yeah, well, we did not look like. Uh, it was funny because the whole time I'm telling Aaron, I've never been anywhere where I couldn't walk in in shorts and just eat. People might judge me, but I won't care. And we walked up and I kept telling Aaron, like, yeah, well, we'll just get a table. We'll get a table. And Aaron was looking at me like I was an idiot. And we walked up and I was like, oh, I am not getting into this place. <laughs> Everyone gave us like looks. We were wandering around looking for the the sign to take a picture just so we could send it to Brian and be like, wish you were here. But um, we definitely, that drive was funny because when we were in San Francisco, Aaron's been trying to get me to go to Tokyo with him for two years or three years. Like it's, it's Aaron's favorite city in the world. And I've never been. So when we were in San Francisco, I made a joke. I was like, wow, we're all the way over here, man. We should just fly to Tokyo. And Aaron got this like genuine look of like, oh, it is the right time. And I was like, no, 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 I'm I'm just kidding. Let's not go to Tokyo. <laughs> Mark, I'm curious. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you've had like a really successful career. You know, why? What What was interesting about Precision Nutrition? You know, what kind of made you want to join as executive chairman versus just riding more or hanging out, traveling, visiting your kids or or doing something else? Yeah. So I'd say it relates to number one, the mission, Mm -hmm. um, the people in the company, we just have an awesome team and the, and how we go about doing business. We're very thoughtful to the, to the, the how of, of our work. Um, 
We focus on that more so than outcomes. We realize that if we do work in the right way, we get great outcomes. Mm-hmm. So we're always measuring, you know, the thought and the um, and the thinking, if you will, uh, of how we do things uh, over. Gee, what what outcome did we get? So first of all, great group of people, and um, a lot of people have been with the company since the early days, but they have incredibly open minds, and so everybody's truly into improving. We also have a really unique organizational structure. So when you have um, a couple hundred people distributed, uh, managing that becomes a bit interesting. So we don't have a traditional hierarchy. So we operate under the rules of what's called holacracy. And holacracy was made famous by Zappos. And it's the, the concept is really self-management circles. Mm-hmm. You can almost view it as... Uh, Agile for in a development community, but think about agile for everything in the business. So, if you have empowered people that are you know that are connected to the mission, that are capable, let them run with running the pieces that they that they own in their roles and are accountable to. So, for me, it was this combination of related to the mission. I mean, clearly, there's a problem in our society today. People are not getting healthier. Um, you know, we're seeing. Um, you know, type 2 diabetes is an epidemic. We're seeing life expectancies are going down in the United States now, uh, driven by obesity and diabetes relating in heart disease. So the, the, the problem is huge, and how we help people I think is really meaningful. So the mission, how we do work, and the people we have in our business was really inspiring to me. And I felt that, you know, w- you know this was really important. So for me, that was energizing sure. and exciting. In uh, a great way to spend time. Um, I also love what I do. And so I can't imagine not working um, and doing a lot of things that are important. Yeah. So the notion of just riding my bike a bit more or going on another trip, it, that doesn't really hold any interest for me. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. When you say holacracy, like from a very woo standpoint like man that sounds great but obviously there are problems like management problems and there are certain people who are more driven than other people um how are you guys managing i mean is it a deliverable type process or i mean how are you guys kind of keeping track i mean 100 people is a significant amount of employees um it's cool to say that everybody is in charge, but <laughs> you know, I mean, like you guys ha- are making great forward progress and growth and like developing all kinds of new initiatives and partnerships. But out of the hundred people who work there, not all hundred people are equal. It's that animal farm thing, you know, where you're going, some animals are created more equal than others, but it's clear that the employees feel empowered and equal, which is actually, I guess the desired goal. But what does that process look like? Yeah, so I think uh, it's a great question. And a, a huge part of it is uh, how do you, uh, who do you hire and how do you hire them? And how are you organized? So this is not for everybody. So in our organization, I would describe our team as people that are all at the middle to the higher end of their career. So we don't have you know, interns or entry-level positions. So it's not people that are trying to learn how to work. So there's not a lot of like, uh, there's not a lot of 
need for mentoring and right. instruction. So even on our developers, you know, it's not like you're having a manager sit down with an entry level uh, developer who's a year out of school doing a code review on the, in the afternoon. Uh, we don't have uh, sales development reps or business development reps that are on the phones that you have them in a bullpen and a manager's listening in. Okay, That's not how we're organized. So that in itself is a huge part of why this works for us. The other thing, though, is we're big into testing before we hire. So that's, that's you know, uh, we use a couple of different tests, if you will, that are doing profiling, psychological profiling, fit for role, um, because you're looking for people that not only can work in this environment, but also can work remotely. And to a lot of people, the notion of working remotely and virtually, it it aspirationally sounds romantic. And then people, you know, and if, but if you're really not up for it, you can go crazy, right? You're not interacting with humans. You've, we're, we're big onto video. We live on Zoom, but they're avatars. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right? So, you know, are, you know, do you have enough socialization in your world to offset the fact that at work you're working with people on a screen? My wife is finding that. It's very interesting to see socially the way that, you know, like you're saying, like, I, you'd think it's great, but... If you're not socialized outside of work, how do you meet people? Yeah, it's huge because we know, by the way, at Precision Nutrition, we, be- we believe in deep health. Deep health isn't just exercise. It's not just nutrition. It's sleep. It's social health, emotional health, spiritual health, environmental health. You know, And if one of those things is out of balance, th- you can snowball. So social health matters. So we test to make sure that the right for the role, right for how we do work, um, and, and we go through pretty extensive interviews. So when somebody looks to join us, you know, it's, it's months, you know, before we hire. So I don't want to use the word, but I will, you know, we, we, we tend to be a bit of hiring snobs. If you get the right people who understand how we work, relate to the mission, have passion for the mission, are mature in their careers, we find the success rate is much higher than it would be otherwise. But if we didn't have those processes, I think it would be it would be a real challenge. You make it really desirable to work there if the process to begin. I mean, I don't know that special operations is really that, it requires that much responsibility, but because the trials and tribulations to get there are so high, it attracts a certain kind of person that wants to perform at a higher level and doesn't want to leave. So I, I can definitely grasp what you're saying. There, well, there's, there, there's a self-selection element. Yeah. You know, we have people in the company that the way they came to the company is they were coached by the company. Then they became a level one coach. Then they became a level two master coach. And then they just started to meet people. And they just, they loved our approach, um, our, 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 our philosophy, and they wanted to become a part of it. And then they ultimately were able to join, but they met the company through several years. So you do have people that are aiming to be a part of the organization. So, um, and then within the rules of holacracy, you're accountable to, not to each other, although there's that sense of responsibility, you're accountable to the work that you hold in your role. So people don't have formal titles. They have roles, and roles have accountabilities. All of that is spelled out, and everybody can see everybody's roles and accountabilities. Um, and that changes pretty routinely, I'm assuming? It, it does. So it's, you know, it's almost like a living, breathing um, you know, org chart with responsibilities, and it's all in software for everybody to see. So I read an interesting very thing transparent. this week about how um, employees that are 
internally promoted or even laterally um, moved within an organization are 70% more likely to stay with the organization after three years of employment, which in the way you guys are structured, it definitely offers um, fresh employment. You know, it's like I'm constantly growing, learning new things. It feels like you're actually having a purpose, not just grinding for 20. Well, there's a, I'll, 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 I'll take what you said a step further. We're big believers in the concept of unique abilities. Uh, having people do what they do well and what they love to do. And by the way, we find those two things are totally related. Absolutely. So, you know, here's a traditional hierarchical organization. You have a performance review at the end of the year and they say, hey, you're doing these three things. Great. And these three things here, you just need to improve on. But you hate those three things <laughs> and you're never going to improve and you're never going to be good at that. And if they say that's the criteria for you to advance, you're going to go somewhere else. We'd rather do is say, hey, you do these three, three, three things and you're awesome. And these three things, they don't seem to be your cup of tea. How about you don't do those? Let's get somebody else who loves doing those to do those. So in fact, when I joined the company, we have a, an incredible CEO, Tim Jones. And Tim does an amazing job in the business, but he loves the product. He loves marketing, loves the operation side. He didn't love the external side, dealing with a private equity firm, dealing on the finance or the legal or a lot of the externalities. Those things sound boring. Well, <laughs> to you. I, yeah. But I love those and I'm good at them. And so, you know, part of like me joining Tim and partnering to run the business with Tim was him focusing on his unique abilities, bringing in a partner who could, who could take those. So even at the highest level of the company, we're trying to apply these principles of having people work in their unique abilities, doing what they do well and doing what they love to do. Right on. Um, I'm honestly, I mean, especially for our listeners, the, the way we approach nutrition and Brooke can speak much more knowledgeably about this than I can, but to say I mean, we're doing in the same way we sell template programming for a bulk percentage of athletes that don't need individualized attention. Like when you get to your level, Mark, I'm assuming that your training program is very much driven by your uh, perceived rate of exertion, your personal, you know, your body's response in any given time based on you know, your rest and how you're feeling. But for most people, especially, you know, nutrition and fitness or activity wise, both um, a simple prescription of of exercise and good nutrition is what they need. They're not at the point where they need, you know, individualized nutrition or individualized fitness. What are you guys doing at PN to like, how are you delivering this product? What are you, I mean, what is the ethos that the coaches are getting? How are they engaging with their clients? Cause that's, you guys are really um, business to consumer, but the consumer is still an ambassador for your product. Well, we're really business to business, okay. we, you know, so we are the expert behind the expert, okay. right? So we're training the coach, the coach is, you know, helping their clients be successful. Um, so, but you're, you're right about, um, what, what do people need to help them? So there's three kinds of eaters, level one, two, and three. 99% of the population are level one eaters. They just want to feel better. They want to be healthier. They might want to bulk up a bit. They may want to lose weight. Whatever their goals are, they just want to feel good about their relationship with food. And that's about 99%. And that's the group that needs the most help. 
And they don't necessarily need a specific meal plan because we know through our research that counting calories um, doesn't work over time. Measuring food doesn't work over time. Any particular diet doesn't work over time. They all work while you're on it. And the only, and by the way, that could be, I tried paleo and I lost weight. I tried Atkins and I lost weight. I did Weight Watchers and I lost weight. I, you know, I, I did keto. I lost weight. But after each one of those, you gain it back and then some. Most people will go on seven diets and when they're done, they weigh more. What enabled them to lose weight in each one of those diets? One thing, they were mindful while they dieted. So let's teach mindfulness. Let's teach awareness. Let's teach something sustainable. So that's most of your population. A level two eater is somebody like myself. You're uh, an elite amateur athlete um, and you are uh, looking for a higher performance. And then you're really going to think very heavily about your macronutrient balance and your mix and things of that nature. The final people are level three. Level three are typically people that make a living with their body. And they're often in events where the exact composition of their body matters. It may be body sculpting, body building. Um, it's not sustainable. You, so you, you tend to be a level three for part of the year in competition. When you're out of competition, you revert back to being a level two. So that, that's some very specific kind of coaching as you get into level two and three athletes, whereas level one is more generalized. Would you say that you guys, uh, that the majority, so the majority of your clients are level one eaters? Well, the majority of the population, yep. so it just trends that way. We work with professional athletes that fall as level two and three. We work with lots of professional sports teams, individuals, MMA fighters, professional tennis players, a lot of the you know, NFL, NBA, uh, um, uh, National Hockey League, baseball teams, as well as uh, NCAA you know, teams. Okay. So we work with elite athletes, but again, if you just think about the general population, they just want to feel... They want to feel better. They want to accomplish a goal where nutrition is helpful. I feel like one of the huge words that clicked for me is when you say sustainable. And so many people pick these diets and eating patterns that are very extreme and they don't really match with the enjoyment they get from food or what their body needs or what their activities demand. And I think that's why so many people fail. So I love that you're highlighting to just be mindful and listen to your body and pick something that's sustainable towards working towards that goal of overall health. Absolutely. And, and the overall health matters too. You know, I mean, we, we, when you just start off with somebody, um, he, you know, sometimes people, they'll go to a gym and they'll say, I'm, I want to join the gym. They're like, great. Why do you want to join? Because I want to lose 20 pounds. Great. We're going to help you do that. <laughs> Wrong question. You know, when somebody says, I want to lose 20 pounds, the first, the best question you can say is, why? I want to feel better about myself. Why? Oh, I want to start going out again. Why? Um, I just got divorced. Wow, that's tough. How are you doing? Well, we were married for a long time, um, and um, I'm lonely. So there was actually maybe a really powerful emotion called loneliness. It wasn't weight loss. They think they'll feel better if they lose that weight and they can accomplish that goal. So you're trying to help them think about, how do I solve for loneliness? By feeling better about myself, more self-confident about myself, having some more self-esteem and being able to get back out and build relationships. So there was a powerful emotional and social driver, right? Or it's not uncommon that you'll have that same discussion and somebody would just say, um, my, my sibling just passed away, you know, and they were young. 
And my dad passed away when they were even younger, you know, when I was growing up. And I've got young kids and I want to avoid that fate. There's power there, right? It's, you know, we're not trying to sell you a diet plan. We're not trying to just say, you know, you know, great, you do it. Because you, you will do it and you'll get it right back. But if you're trying to tap into what's really driving you, what's that deep health reason, that is sustainable. You can really harness that as a motivator and well, I mean, draw a lot of power in that. Talk about therapeutic. I mean, like who thought that they were going to talk to Mark and actually have him touch their soul when they asked for a diet plan? <laughs> like when you said that, I was like, oh, good Lord. We, we hear these, uh, well, thanks. I mean, that's no, not my no, goal, was, but, was, but, but we, uh, we have so many stories from, uh, so many powerful stories from people we work with either directly as clients or through the uh, coaches we've trained and their clients about how somebody, you know, literally their, their life changes where they've tried everything and they don't have hope left. And, you know, and then when they can come in with somebody's just being human well, and trying to listen and, and ask questions. So much about being a level two or a level three eater, as you talked about, is often driven by addictive behaviors that are manifesting in, like, I mean, I know for a long time, I did not enjoy working out. I did it because I knew I needed to do it to sustain my career. And that was a manifestation of a lot of other things that were going on in my life that I was like, I owe it to myself to do this because I want to maintain this portion of my life that I value while everything else in my life sucks. And so like I can touch that now, but at the time I was just spending three hours a day in the gym hurting myself because it was the three hours of the day that I didn't have to think about the things that were actually bothering me. And you see the way that people, I mean, obsessively appeal to diets or obsessively pursue aesthetic stuff. And you go, Hey man, like, there's something driving that, and it's really refreshing to hear you be like, um, let's dig deeper and actually address what's actually motivating you so that you can be happy no matter what the outcome is. We talk a lot about how aesthetics aren't what we're pursuing. We're pursuing performance, but I really like the way you put it more. <laughs> well, thank you. And it's, it, by the way, that we, you know, we try to run the company the way we have coach. It's, again, back to the how are you doing things. Outcomes will take care of themselves if you're doing things in the right way. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, you know, anything, uh, you know, we, we love what you guys are doing. And so if we can be helpful and, you know, we're going to try to, I think, figure out if we can share some of our, our resources because we want to just spread the word about uh, how we can be helpful to people. Well, thank I'm, you. I'm excited to put Brooke in contact with you to pick your brain with a bunch of stuff. I'm sure she's uh, got questions you all put out so much great science and evidence-based information i love it and even on instagram and other social media platforms it's very digestible it's really awesome we, we try to thank you we try to put things out that apply to real life mm -hmm. i mean we have guides out there about like you know if you need protein and you're at a gas station what are your options you know how do you eat well when you're still uh you know if you're in an airport or you're on vacation uh, if you don't have a gym near what near you what can you do you know, just th this, because that's real life, you know, and, you know, and by the way, we're, we're famous for things like, you know, if you want to measure food, measuring food doesn't really work, but here's what works. You've got your hand with you. So would you like some leafy greens? Have two handfuls. Oh, you, you're, you're going to have a fat, have a thumbful, you know, your hands with you all the time and it scales based on the size of who you are. True. It's like a really practical thing. So we, we just try to apply to real life. 
So I'm glad that you've, uh, I appreciate the comment and uh, we work hard on those because we want to get, put them out there so that uh, people can benefit. That's awesome. Just a thumbful of sugar makes the medicine go down. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of sugar. <laughs> Not for me. <clears throat> I do a handful of sugar, and I'm dying from it. That's enough. Out of we'll, you. We'll, se- <laughs> we'll send you our hand guide. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks again. Where can people find out more about Precision Nutrition? Yeah, so if you are on our website, which is just precisionnutrition.com, uh, or look us up on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And we, um, we're putting things out all the time, lots of free information. If it is more interesting to you, there's ways of signing up and getting uh, emails, other information, uh, if you're interested in uh, joining a, a program. But we think everybody can benefit just by the uh, free information that we share as well. Excellent. Absolutely. Man, Mark, I am super grateful for you coming in. And uh, thank you for your time. And we'll look forward to uh, future partnership endeavors. Thank you for having me. Thanks.